Tom, I'm furious. Matt, why are you furious? Well, we, I'm sure we'll get to it, but like, I just watched the latest episode of Igmaster, Tom, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm furious about it. I feel like um, I am adversely contributing to your health by making you watch this show. Look, I haven't, um, mainly because we're repainting the bathroom at the moment and I haven't got a bathroom mirror, so I haven't shaved for a few days. Like, maybe even a couple of weeks, actually. And you can see how much grey hair I've got in my beard. And I never had that much grey hair before. And I'm basically holding you, um, Joel Madden, um, and the production... Uh, crew of um paramount's ink master personally responsible i'm also that clicking you here is also me opening a beer because i need to drink through this well, well uh, we will do a drink check we've started drinking while recording <laughs> this so i think let, let's turn this into nutrition i'm having a lovely corona extra from the corner shop it was four bottles for five pounds three days ago when i was recording something else now it's five pounds fifty cost of living crisis is really hitting me hard you know <laughs> Wow, is that that was quasi Quarting's budget, was it? As up to yeah, the price yeah. of Corona. Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, yes. Do you know what, Matt? I think I think the little bit of scruff suits you, but makes you look like you know a, a sexy older man. I am a sexy older man, thank you. Yes, you are. You are, but sexier. However, but my my dad has a beard, and when I grow my, and he has had a beard my whole life. And um, in fact, at one point, he shaved it off for charity, and uh, my mum refused to talk to him until it grew back. So. When, when I grow, when I when I grow, and I don't I don't shave every day. When I grow uh, a beard, or when I don't shave for a, a, a while, I just start to look like my dad, and uh, that is not a look that anyone needs. Uh, so, but thank you for saying so. I'll take that as a compliment. But I have got a lot more grey than the last time I let it grow out, which was before we started recording episodes about Inkmaster. So correlation equals causation. That's why. <laughs> If if anyone, if you want a ASMR episode of Matt shaving his beard, uh, subscribe at the ten pound tier on Patreon. Maybe I should get a beard tattooed on me. I'm sure someone's done that. Yeah. Oh, that that's actually a big thing. It's like um. So you know the way when you get hair plugs, it doesn't necess- necessarily guarantee you won't go bald. Yeah. I mean, not something I've looked into. I'm one thing I am blessed, even though I wear hats all the time, and everyone assumes that I'm um I'm a balding man. Because I'm a man in my you know early forties, lots of people I know are very boarding. I have a good head of hair. Yeah, Matt has a really hair. good head of hair, and I'm so I, fucking I, jealous of him. Like he's I, in his forties, and I'm I know, and I'm in my late twenties, and my hairline is fucked. I have like a six head, and I wear hats all the time, so people assume that I'm doing it to cuff and boarding. But it's just I can't be bothered to ever comb my hair or put wax in my hair, basically. Um, yeah. So, uh, oh, so drinking. I'm drinking the last of the cans uh, that are left of the ale from my wedding. Um, I got married in the summer, and uh, I bought far too much alcohol. Uh, so this is the last of that, which is uh, Verdant, which is a lovely um, brewery down in Cornwall where we got married. Uh, I am drinking their Pale Ale, which is um, a spicy 5.2% Citra, Nelson, Sauvignon, and Mosaic uh, mix. Uh, also Bring that Cornish Ale. Yeah, it's lovely, lovely kind of American style. It's called Mary Lou Pale Ale. They they do actually have do a nice session ale as well. Um, welcome to welcome to beer reviews with Matt and Tom. Um, they do a really nice uh, session ale too, which is more like three and a half percent, which I've been drinking because it's a bit more sensible. Um, but I, I I need I needed I'm out I am out of it and B I needed something a bit a bit spicier on the ABV front. And and also I was going to start drinking earlier on, um, but my cat 
was also really interested slash furious about uh, Ink Master, so she came and sat on my lap while I was watching it. Um, Matt has the most beautiful cat as well. Like, just like this man has like a great taste in aesthetic things, and he has a very very like beautiful cat. Well, I didn't pick her. She she came with my with my wife. Um, but I'll, I'll but she my my wife is also beautiful. So you know they come as a pair. Um, I didn't think it was I my saw- place to say it. Welcome to Cat Reviews with Matt and Tom. The, um, we went to the wildlife park in Port Limp the other weekend because uh, it was my dad's birthday. And while they were off, my mum and dad were looking at giraffes. We went and looked at the palace cats. And I was like, those cats are drawn wrong. They look like someone on Ink Master has drawn a cat wrong. Um, oh, are are, are see- those the cats with the really fuzzy tail that they sit on the tail when they're cold? Yeah. And also the reason they look like cats that are drawn wrong is that they have human eyes. Like, they have round pupils. They're the only cat species that have round pupils rather than cat eyes. Um, so they, they look like, they look like, they look like uh, angels drawn them. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bit of a prelude. And if you've made it this far into the episode and don't know what this show's about, you're very welcome to Beneath the Skin, the show about the history of everything told through the history of tattooing, and this is our series where we are watching Ink Master. I'm subjecting Matt to watching Ink Master. We're on episode four, and yeah, there's a there's a lot to. Oh, I'm uh, one of your hosts, Thomas O'Mahony, um, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Matt Lauder. So we're on episode four. Hiram went home last week, and we're we're in a kind of a weird spot where. We have a very concentrated style variation in the people that are left. Well, my first thing, the first thing I wrote on my notes for this episode was too many backwards baseball caps. Well, that, see, that's why Creepy Jason's coming in with that pork pie hat, you know, with the card in it. He, he's different. He's different, you know. Like, Joel, Joel Madden, I suspect, is at least my age, maybe slightly older. I, I'm going to fact check uh, this. You keep going. Fact, fact check this live. Also, can you find out if he's the older or younger twin as well? I'd like to know that. Um, but he has no right or reason to be wearing a backwards baseball cap on television. Like the time he is, is uh, he is older than you. He is forty. Well, even worse, even worse. Then not much older than me. No, I'm a man who likes a cap, and I, you know, I think I, I'm not going to police anyone's style here. Like dress, dress how you, however makes you feel comfortable. The tattooers, obviously, they they're tattooing. I can see why they're turning their caps backwards. Joel Madden, in my personal bigoted opinion, this is my most right-wing opinion, Tom. Uh, Joel, Joel Madden, uh, uh, and basically anyone over the age of about twenty-five should be banned from wearing backwards baseball caps unless there is a good practical reason for them doing so. Like, for example, keeping sun off the neck not applicable. He's inside the studio. Or they're working with something up close, and the brim would get in the way. Okay, which is what where I can give Gian uh, a little bit of a pass. But but Joel, Joel Madden, really no excuse. Also, uh, it, it, fun, funnily enough, twenty five years of age is the exact same age that Joel Madden started dating Hilary Duff when she was sixteen. That is not a libelous statement. That is a fact. Uh, he's also the younger of the twins. He's the younger. Well, that is that also probably explains it. Maybe some of his uh, prefrontal cortex got went to his brother Benji. <laughs> so that was the first thing. That was the first thing I wrote. So that I, you can see, I started off on a slightly grumpy note. That my the first thing I wrote in quite big letters was too many backwards caps. 
Yeah, see, the thing with my notes is uh, for anyone who wants a bit of peek behind the curtain, uh, all my notes are all in caps uh, because I cannot be arse turning off caps locks. I'm a podcast producer. I'm not good at reading. So are you typing, are you typing your notes? Yeah. Wow. I don't own a TV, so I watch it on my laptop. What's wrong with a pencil, Tom? Uh, I'm not great with multitasking either, so... You're so bourgeois there with your laptop and your... Your electronic vape. What's wrong with a pipe and a pencil? Well, I went analog. I did have a cigarette before this episode, so you know, I'm I'm a mixed media. I'm mixed media. If we should use art terms, but yeah. So let's actually talk about the episode. So this episode, we are left with Bob, Angel, Gian, Holly, Katie, Jason, and Pawn. So I feel like I got everyone there. And start of this episode, we get told there is no flash challenge. This week, which I was kind of like, okay, this is a bit, this is a bit strange. And the theme of this week is adaptability. So Matt, do you want to explain what, as a art historian, what adaptability means to you? Right. Well, so, so I, again, I wrote down no flash challenge and why, and adaptability, why? So uh, once again, and I think we've said this in a pre- in, in our com- commentaries on previous episodes, they seem to just... Adaptability seems, or the, the the theme, so called of the week. You know, like with Bake Off, when you have Biscuit Week, we're making fucking biscuits, right? Like uh, Drag Race, it's uh, Rusical Week. We're doing a fucking Rusical, like Adaptability Week. Who the fuck knows? Because it's just like do a thing in whatever we, whatever style you want. There was no adaptation required. Like I was, you know, like if you were doing an adaptation try uh, challenge, for example, maybe like, oh, you've got to do this design on this this customer, but they're allergic to red ink, or they've got terrible psoriasis, or um, you know, they the 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 fire alarm's going off, and you've got to finish the tattoo in the next couple of minutes, like otherwise you'll burn to death, like actually, <laughs> or or um, I don't know, you've 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 uh, you've damaged your like hand and you've got to tattoo with your other hand or i mean that would be awful but like you know actual things that real tattooers probably have to do to adapt when you know things don't work out in their day-to-day life like the adaptation here was like i don't know what what we, we'll get into, it. We, we'll we'll get into it what what did you understand that ad- what 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 were they meant to be adapting to and how did the challenges which we'll talk about show any ad- adaptability so Traditionally, adaptability is kind of like to test your kind of street shop walk-in kind of skills. So it's how well can you adapt to like different styles one after another. Um, but they got to choose the style that they did. Yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> I I think like, and for anyone who's listening, I will be forcing Matt, Matt to watch every other season of Ink Master only on Patreon. Subscribe to the Patreon. Matt does not look happy about this. But the big you twist... You said that on Twitter the other day, and I was like, hold on, buddy. <laughs> I'm a busy man. Um, so, but see, the handy thing with that is we don't have to wait week to week. We can just watch them in bulk. So, so the big twist of this week is they're bringing back four former Ink Masters. So this is four people who have one Ink Master. So... Right, yeah. So when they, when they said, this, was, this is where I was hoping to talk to you, well, before we actually before we get to that, the other thing I also noticed at the top is they were like, "To be a true ink master, you've got to be able to go up against anyone." And I was like, "Really? That doesn't make any sense." Um, 
And then, and then of course, they said, oh, these people need no introduction. And I was like, mm, they do, because I don't know who they are. So, <laughs> I, so. I, As soon as they said that, I knew you were going to bring it up. I was like, Matt's going to complain because he hasn't watched all of Ink Master. Yeah, it was like, these guys need no introduction. And I was like, humor yeah, me. Yeah, but then they, did, then they did introduce them. They, so did, no, they, the, did, they did introduce them. They did. The four masters are Steve Teft, who was the winner of season two. And was on season 10, which is when all the previous Ink Masters came back and competed against each other. Steve is, he does kind of like freehand, kind of nightmarish, macabre. 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 Macabre is the uh, guy in the previous week said. Macabre. Yeah, no, he actually passed it properly. It's kind of like. kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, if you were looking at like the art world, it's kind of I would say like Zladislav Bekchinsky kind of less architecture, more kind of like grotesque kind of. Yeah, well, in a like in a in a tattoo history sense, he's 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 basically kind of doing the Paul Booth um, stuff, basically that kind of um, like black and grey like horror stuff, basically. Yeah, and then we have Anthony Michaels who won season seven and was also on season ten. He does kind of like illustrative stuff. He says he's an illustrative artist. I will disagree later on in the episode. Uh, then we have mo- one of my personal favorite winners, Tony Medellin. He is a traditional artist, but he does kind of everything. And then you have DJ Tambi, who is a neo-trad artist. He won season nine. He also won season 10 when all the Ink Masters came back. And so they're all there. The contestants are told, oh, you you're going to be judged by these masters. And not only are you going to be judged by these masters, your adaptability is going to be challenged because you have to beat or match the masters. So Steve, Anthony, Tony, and DJ each get to choose, okay, pick a style. This is what someone has to tattoo in. And then everyone picks what style that they present. So do you have the styles here? Do you want me to read them out? No, no, I've got them written down. So again, we're going to have this conversation that we had last week as well about what the difference is between neo-traditional uh, uh, and illustrative, because I still don't think we know uh, this. But we had, so we had Steve, Steve who does his his black and grey, like um, Bob Tyrell, Paul Booth stuff. We have Anthony Michaels, who says he's illustrative, who, you know, uh, um, this guy, Tony Medellin, who does, again, traditional, pretty solidly. DJ Tambe, um, who does, like, neo-traditional. So we've got neo-traditional, traditional, illustrative, black and grey. Um, we learned from Angel that uh, neo-traditional is traditional but sexier. <laughs> that, was, that was her exact... That was her exact... <laughs> I wrote that down. Um... <laughs> And then we had essentially like all, each one of the contestants had to like choose one of those styles, but do whatever they wanted, which also seems to not be that adaptable. Like if you can just sort of pick from styles, which I mean, again, right. Other than Japanese, um, when n- no one's going to is doing black work here or, or geometric or biomech or like anything that's like really out there. These styles are all pretty close to each other. And have a lot of overlap as well and giving them the choice and then giving them an open brief Color palette as well yeah was like again i don't i mean it's, I, I i'm glad to have not had a flash challenge because i said last week that i think they're weird um <laughs> in a tiring show 
Um, but you know, I didn't really see how it was how it was adapt adaptably. Never mind. But then, okay, so then we had so out of of them, so Holly picked illustrative, Bob picked neo trad, Katie controversially uh, picked traditional. Oh, sorry, Pon. Uh, Bob picked illustrative. Did he? Yeah. Okay. Again, I don't know the difference between them. I don't know what the difference is between an illustration and illustrative, and I'm a fucking supposed to be an expert in this shit. Um, but, so, Pond picked traditional. Jason did the black and grey. Uh, Angel did illustrative. Gian did Neotrad. Is that right? Have I got Neotrad and illustrative the right way round? Yeah, so Gian's, yeah. The only, Gian's the only one that picks Neotrad. Katie and Pond okay. do Trad. Holly, Bob, Angel do illustrative. And Jason wants to go head-to-head with Steve. Okay. I mean, again... None of that makes any sense to me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm quite yeah. salty today. Yeah, like I, to be honest, I this episode kind of left me a little bit salty for different reasons because I feel like they really stretched everything quite thin. Like there was only like this is the elimination challenge. They went straight into it and they like milked it for all it was worth. I understand you have like some big names in terms of like Ink Master lore come back, but I feel like little bit drawn out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the critique's very nitpicky, but again, that's sort of fine. Um, and actually, I thought pretty much, mm, with the exception of one tattoo, which I'll be interested to see if you can guess which one, but I thought every, ta- every tattoo done on this episode, other than one, uh, was pretty good. There was one that I really thought was garbage. Um, but they were, I think they were, all, they were all like nice, nice enough tattoos. Again, Something I've said before, and without you know, without wanting to be repetitive, so much of this stuff it, to me just graphically and solicitly feels really dated. Like it's all really similar, other than other than maybe actually like the tattoo that Pond did in the um in in the last section. Every tattoo in this section felt in this episode felt really kind of dated. Like really looked like stuff that Paul Booth or Bob Tyrrell or like. People in Europe like Echo and Lose Lips or like, you know, it's all stuff that was being done 20 years ago. And maybe that's just because it's come back into fashion and I just have missed that. But like, none of it felt very cutting edge. None of it felt very, um, I don't know, like they would, none of those pictures, none of those tattoos would have looked out of place in a tattoo magazine in 2005. Yeah. Yeah. In my like, opinion. I, I like, I don't think anyone is doing anything like insanely kind of innovative like i there's one or two of them that i take particular issue with but like in terms of like tattoos they're okay some of them are like quite good uh there's one or two of them that are really stand out that in my mind think stand like head and shoulders above all the rest but like yeah i i i don't think people did things as interesting as they should have been so since this is a shorter episode we're going to kind of fly through these but one thing i want to talk about that you messaged me about was that you mentioned that like so many of them are using wireless machines yeah i hadn't noticed that and it's not something that i picked up on in the previous episodes i presume that they were then as well but i just sort of noticed for some reason that initially i was like are they using like numas like pneumatic machines like because they're really quiet and i was like no they're wireless and like again not many of the artists that i get i mean not like i get tattooed with super regularity these days but i haven't been in a shop really with many people using those machines so um i didn't realize how common they were and i 
yeah, they're 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 weird, and I wonder if like if you're not used to using that kind of machine with because they're very top heavy, they're much more like rotaries, but probably even got got a different weight balance to a normal rotary machine. I mean, they are rotaries, right? They're just wireless rotaries. I'm I I wonder if that is also going to affect how well people who are more used to like traditional coil machines or even like traditional rotaries are towing because i'm sure again i don't know i'm not a tow artist but i i imagine that like getting the stroke length and the power and stuff of a traditional rotary or coil machine is is that easy to do in a in a wireless machine i don't know i'd be interested to, i'd be interested to know more about that because it's not something that i've it's an innovation in the industry that I, I i don't really know anything about and it really struck me today for some reason that so many well i think every artist actually is using I think I think I'm right in saying every artist was using one of these wireless. I think I machines. think Angel wasn't, but I think she might be the only one that wasn't. But yeah, so like a bit of context, I got a new tattoo on my arm uh, last weekend, healing nice and well, Matt. I'm just showing Matt on the camera. Shout out to shout out to our sponsor. Uh, shout out to Sanaderm and shout out to Lee Jones and Hidden Hands in Kentish Town. Absolute gent. The only, the first I love time. Lee Jones. I have gotten a tattoo in London and not had to wait like an hour, hour and a half before they were ready. Like literally walked in. He had just finished a tattoo. We were chatting while he was doing, you know, doing the transfer for the stencil and everything. He just set upstairs and he was like, if you want to go to the shop or go have a smoke or something, come back up in like 10 minutes and we'll get to go. And fantastic tattooer. Really, really happy. Go to him. Uh, Hidden Hands in Kentish Town. But his colleague Spooks, uh, I'll look up his Instagram in a second. He was using a wireless machine. I'm oh, okay, like, cool. And it's like, it's quite a small shop and I was getting tattooed and Spooks was tattooing someone. And like, you know, when you have like four people in like a small room, we were like chatting back and forth, like all four of us and stuff. And it was only maybe like two hours into the tattoo that I realized he was using a wireless machine because I was like, it's so quiet because like, obviously with, with trad tattooing, you know, you have to like clean it out to get you know, the next color of ink in, we took a couple of breaks and stuff. And I was just really struck at like how quiet it was. And Spooks does kind of black and gray kind of surrealist stuff. So I could understand, but I think in terms of like technical application, I can understand maybe that they are much more kind of easy to use. If you have to like move people in like weird positions and get in at weird angles and everything. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm again. I'm, I'm. This is not in any way criticizing this. I'm. You know, people that use them professionally will be making decisions because they're the right tool for the job. And I'm not here to comment on that. I just found it super fascinating. I mean, I I've got a like a a, a torch, right? Like a pretty high powered like pocket torch. It's quite a high lumen torch for like walking home from the train station at night. And it, it gets really hot really quickly because of the the way that the battery dumps power. Um, and I I I I sort of imagine that those machines must get quite hot. I I don't know like whether they have a cons- whether as the battery drains they lose power like I don't know it's I get I my sense is that they might that that for for the kind of work of doing like very very realistic like delicate stuff they're probably better than than stuff that needs real heavy heavy hard line work and maybe again maybe that's why people aren't doing black work because maybe you maybe you couldn't put a big freaking mag grouping on a again i don't know this is if people know yeah, and listen yeah, yeah. To this, like please please let us know i'm i'm, I'm really talking out of my ass here um because because uh i am old um 
and all the towers that I get towed by are like real. Yeah, you know, tend tend to be trapped. Well, yeah, we tend to be trapped people who are using like coil machines or rotaries. So, I, I, I you know, I, I'd be super interested to learn more about this, basically, because it is something that I, it's sort of passed me by as a thing. And it's interesting to hear that that this isn't just a TV bit of TV magic. That you were in a a good shop with some good artists this week, and they were using those as part of their profession when they don't have to. You know, there's no reason to use that if it's not the right tool for the job. So, well, yeah. So uh, a bit of Tom info dump corner. So. A bit of science, I have a ordinary level chemistry qualification for what would be considered my A-levels, but I know a lot about mechanics. So so uh, in terms of energy production, so you were mentioning your torch, uh, energy sources that use batteries that produce either heat or light are much more energy intensive in terms of their draw on a battery, where if you're producing kinetic energy, all you're doing is like forcing a motor like up and down. So it'll probably be less energy in energy intensive so the heat dispersion of the battery is probably lower but another point and this is being you know a audio producer bit of inside baseball i would reckon the reason they're using wireless machines is because they're quieter because the way this is shot no one is mic'd up everyone like no one's wearing like a lavalier oh, or like interesting so they're likely using a boom mic which is it's a sensitive microphone on a big pole arm that someone stands and holds over their head and it's like usually maybe like between like two to two and a half feet above the person's head so it captures up around it so you see when the judges are going around judging the tattoos and they're talking to people there's probably a mic maybe like four inches out of shot so i would if it was me and looking at like kind of sound I would reckon that it's a choice that's made purely for the sound quality of the show. Well, like if you're if you're a tow artist and you're listening to this program, um, and you you use a wireless machine or you have used a wireless machine and you have opinions on it or experience, like email us, like um, find us on social media, um, and we'd love to get you on the show to talk about it. Uh, you know, we could, we could do a, we could do an episode of of the podcast about the history of tow machines. Because really, they haven't changed a huge amount technologically speaking in in a you know, since the eighteen eighties, you know, one hundred and fifty years or so. Um, and I think this seems to me, as I said, a development that is obviously very recent, um, and it's something that I don't know enough about. And I'd love to talk to someone who knows about it. So, yeah, if if you know about these machines or you have opinions on them, um, you use them regularly or you have used them, like get in touch. Yes, the email is in the description of this episode and the social media links and everything. So. We are going to move on to the elimination challenge tattoo critiques. So we have Jason, Joe, Steve, uh, Holly, Bob, Angel did illustrated with Anthony, Katie and Pond did trad with Tony, and then Gian did neo traditional. So first up, they so, okay before the- you before you before you go on to that, um, can you? So obviously the 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 the, the um the, the the vibe of this competition was like. They had to be judged head to head, essentially, of the per- of this oh, this returner. Yeah, again, yeah, not having much. watched this show before and not knowing who these people are, um, are these like again? Do, is there a kind of plot here that I'm missing? Like, are any of these heroes villains? Like, do they have standout stories of why they've been brought back? Uh, what what were the criteria? This will become relevant when we come to the end and that annoyed me, like what was it about these people specifically that made them worthy of bringing, being brought back over other people? I think, I think it's a basis of like their personality. Like 
like DJ and Anthony have like quite strong personalities and you'll see that if you watch the individual seasons that they're in rather than just the like former Ink Master season. Um, I think that was it's the season that they clipped with like where there was like an arena show and there was like live. Oh no 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 no! You're, you're gonna you're you're gonna see that when so the finale of every previous season of Ink Master happens in a stadium. So it's like Fuck live him. audience. Oh, Jesus yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. Matt, we're we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Um, and like Steve is like a real strong personality as well. Like he he's a really interesting guy and does stuff that is like in like much more different than like stuff that's done on Ink Master. And like Tony, Tony was like the standout in season eleven. Like he was. Because it's ve- it's rare enough that a trad artist wins, and like yes, he's quite versatile. But his trad stuff, which we're going to talk about, is just insane. So first up, we have Anthony and the people who picked the illustrative uh, challenge. So do you want to describe what Anthony did? So yeah, he did this like again. I don't know the difference between illustrative and neo traditional here at all, uh, which is why I was confused. But he did what I would call a neo traditional. Uh, like wolf with like blood or fire coming out of its eyes, wearing a big chain. Like it was, it was a pretty cool. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty cool design. Like it was quite dense, you know. Like one of the things I really love about traditional, traditional stuff, and you saw that in um, Tony Medine's Panther, is like a lot of use of, of empty space, negative space, bare skin. Like that was really packed in. It was very grey, very dense. Um, didn't have a lot of breathing space in its, uh, and I wonder it, how it would heal and age because it was it, it was very chucked in and without a lot of yeah um, yeah, yeah yeah without a lot of without a lot of uh, gradation or a lot of kind of you know dark and light in it. But I thought it was a great it was a nice tattoo. It was a great design. It was super fun. Yeah, he's yeah like why people like him. Like I like kind of great use of like various line weights throughout it. Like really kind of solid color and a really good use of like a continuous color palette throughout the tattoo like elements were had like color matching if that's the correct term you know the yeah. chain and the brim of the yeah, hood and it was everything pretty in the well side. constrained yeah it was pretty it was pretty kind of it was you know it was it was a it was one of those designs that um a less talented artist could really like get quite badly wrong in terms of their color and shading choices and stuff and their line weight choices, but he did it. It was it was a nicely done. I mean, not to my taste in any way <laughs> as a design, but um, yeah, so, you know. So then we have I, Angel, who is next. Like <laughs> my note, she did like this kind of woman with a snake coming out of her head in like black and grey. And my first note is boring, boring, boring. Yeah, I mean, again, like this is again why I'm confused about where the where these people think the line is between neo-traditional and, and illustrative. Like, I I think it, it felt like the kind of thing that probably could, should have been... Like, it felt like the line work for a colour tattoo, actually, to me. Um, and we talked a bit about it last week as well, but, you know, tattooers genuinely have a hard time with a blank bit of paper or a blank bit of skin because they're so used to responding and working to commission, most, most tattooers. And so when you give a tattoo artist even very very good tattoo artist an open brief quite often they're going to slip into quite convention and that's okay like tattooing is a super conventional uh art form you know like those designs that we know and love are four five hundred years no, well four hundred years old or something right you know many of them snakes and 
skulls and stuff. Um, but yeah, like Lady Head and Snake, very good. But if you're going to do that, I think you need to really nail it. And she made, as as um, Army James pointed out, made some quite basic mistakes in the snake's anatomy. It felt not wasn't that well composed as an image. Um, I think it was nice. It was it was like decently tattooed, technically speaking. But as Army said, like the the belly scales or plates, as he calls them. They're not continuous throughout it, and that's a mistake in the composition that, and this is the problem that people make with snakes in general, like, I have a traditional snake on my on my arm, as Matt has seen multiple times, and, like, making sure that, like, you keep your sides consistent is kind of, like, a really basic of doing snakes, and she didn't do it, so they judged her that she did not match the master. I guess. I guess Army calls it plates because he's he tattoos dragons all the time, right? Doing doing Japanese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why he used that term. So next up, we have Holly, um, who did a mushroom woman. This like this is just a traditional tattoo. This is not illustrative. This is not neo traditional. This just looks like a tradition, like a more modern traditional tattoo. Yeah, I said that I, I, I said that a minute ago that there was one tattoo in this episode that I didn't I thought was awful, and this is that. <laughs> this is the this is the tattoo that I hated because like the color choices were weird, like washed out. The composition was poor. Like although the she did this a mushroom lady, but like they didn't. I mean, they probably were quite actually quite accurate to mushrooms, but they didn't read on a quick look as mushrooms. Like are they? clouds are they like yeah, waves yeah, yeah, yeah. like what the fuck is going on it was just it was a, like i think one of the one of the um competitor like returner guys the the legends or whatever said like she was a bit hesitant like yeah this was i mean i, I wouldn't I don't know if i agree with you this was it was a traditional tattoo but like it was just hesitant and weak and poorly composed and messy and fussy and i i thought it was poor oh it it just seemed like a tattoo of someone who was just unsure of their design yeah and i like i she, i don't know if you agree with me about the about the the mushroomy bit of the like if she'd have put some like big toadstools in like the big right red toadstools or even the little kind of like you know the little um cap-headed mushrooms that she had look great but the weird big like Oh, the oyster mushrooms. Well, the oyster mushrooms, yeah. Um, just were they just were messy, and the colours were brown and dank, and it just wasn't like it didn't have any confidence. Um, and like you know, if you're going to do that, and you're going to do something, if you want to do something about like mushrooms and psychedelics, like make it weirder. Like it was just a bit. There's a, there's a term um, that Layla, my partner, uses when we're watching reality shows. So she's a She's um uh, did an art degree and is an illustrator was a trained illustrator. Her grandfather was an artist. She she calls like when you see p- uh, people on like you know the pottery challenges in the UK or the makeup ones when they do those mood boards and they look really weird. She calls them GCSE, right? <laughs> like it's like you know like high like high school like the kind of thing you draw at high school and it was it was very high school. Like she's Holly's clearly a decent artist in terms of her basic skills of drawing, but like compositionally and and in terms of meaning and storytelling and visual impact and readability like all those things you want from a great a great tattoo you need from a good tattoo really because of the medium was just not there it felt it felt like a real gcse art project to me (laughs) and now we're moving on to bob and like once again 
I think Bob really like fucking knocked this out of the park. Whether you call it like illustrative or so, or like new school or whatever, this is just like a really solid tattoo. Yeah, super fucking awesome tattoo, like lovely design, like a twist. I mean, again, one of the judges, I don't know which one it was. Uh was it was it Joel or was it um Nico? I said it feels like a new oh, it was style. Nico, it was no. Nico. Yeah. Was it? It's like mm, I, I mean, it doesn't really. <laughs> but um you know, it was a kind of like alieny cyber panther leopard thing. Like, like, like it was only mask kind of thing. Yeah, I read it as like a it's a leopardy thing, but like it was great. It was like bright. It was solid. It's gonna like heal nice. It's gonna be solid in the skin. It was self-contained. Uh, yeah, like it was readable. Again, not to my taste particularly. Um, I- I'm I'm a bit skeptical of tattoos that are very much of the, like don't have that real timelessness to them. And obviously, almost by definition, that wasn't a timeless tattoo. But like it was brilliantly done. Super confident and. Like just just the the pop of the color on that compared to any other piece uh, in this episode was just night and day, really. Yeah, and like anyone who's watched this show before knows that like Bob just has insane color work, like like so packed in that like even when that heals, I can't imagine like any kind of lighter patches throughout it. Just really, really, really solid. So out of the three of them, Holly did not match. Angel did not match, and Bob, in the judge's word, even beat the master. He was a he was he was you might say a master beater. <laughs> hey, are you enjoying the show? If you really like Beneath the Skin and you want to help support us, you can do so on Patreon for little as five quid a month. You can help make this show possible. Help us buy research materials. So, if you like the show and you want to support us, consider kicking us a few quid a month and you'll get everything from bonus episodes to Q&As and you can even vote on what tattoo I'll get when we reach a certain subscriber count. Matt, have you got anything to say? You should really definitely uh, fund the Patreon because tattoo history is massive, right? Deep, wide, complicated. We're covering some big hit topics on the main feed, but on the Patreon subscriber-only feed, we'll be getting into some really more interesting niche deep topics you don't want to miss out on and honestly the chance to kind of decide what thomas gets on his body is probably just a once in a lifetime opportunity subscribe chuck us a few quid don't miss out on the chance to ruin thomas's body forever everyone knows that tattoo aftercare is one of the most important steps in getting a new tattoo we all want our fresh new tattoos to heal as easily and hassle-free as possible so we can show them off to the world. That's why Sanoderm's here to help. Driven by science and innovation, Sanoderm products have been thoroughly tested and used by doctors and tattoo artists alike for over 10 years. Sanoderm brings cutting-edge technology to make your tattoo healing process a breeze. No more messing around with cleaning and plastic every few hours with Sanoderm's amazing range of aftercare products. I personally have used Sanoderm to heal my tattoos in the past, and they made what used to be a daily process of setting reminders on my phone to clean and rewrap my tattoo into a one-step process. Their medical-grade products include aftercare balms, soaps, and my favourite, their second skin aftercare bandages. Sanoderm's tattoo bandages are designed to be waterproof, breathable, and keep your new tattoo protected from whatever the elements can throw at it so you can get on with your day worry-free 
and confident your new tattoo will look vibrant and will heal faster. Plus, their products are all natural and ethically sourced, so you can take comfort in knowing that you're healing your tattoos with nature's finest ingredients. So next time you're in an artist's chair, why not try Saladerm, healing your tattoos the modern way so you can get on with your day. Check out the link in the description of this episode for discounts on a range of Saladerm products. Next we have Tony, which me and Matt are going to love talking about this. He, traditional open colour palette, Let's talk about Tony's Panther. This <laughs> shit fucking rules. It's so fucking good. Loved it. And it's so yeah, big like, as well. I know. I was about to say that. It was fucking massive for like four or four, no, six hours, right? Like, yeah, like it goes from his canvases like tattoo. knee all the way up to like midway up the hip. And it's like this big black panther with like claw marks and the red and like some beautiful use of like uh, red and orange in the eyes which Ryan Ashley pointed out but like this shit is solid that will look the same for the next like 40 yeah. years well it'll get it'll get better I mean this is the other thing that like really nice good tattoo, tattoo uh, traditional tattooing and also black work tattoo, uh, tattoo artists and black and grey guys as well black and grey artists uh, the gender neutral guys there, by the way. Um, yeah, they that they know that if you if you tattoo in such a way as you've got you're using negative space, as your tattoo settles into the skin and spreads over years and decades, the tattoo gets stronger, not weaker. Right? Like you look at great great artists, um, as uh, they 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 really consider that as the tattoo ages, it gets stronger because all of that stuff that's a bit looser leads together so to speak and yeah like so that again you know as a tattoo let's let's get some tattoo history in there that that black panther design the, the most classic version of it there are versions of it from beforehand but the, the cl- most classic version of that was originally lifted from a children's book um an illustration in a children's book um back in the like early decades of the 20th century and like it's become a real classic you know the kind of crawling panthers become a real real classic of the traditional repertoire because it's like you don't need many colors you know as i said in a previous episode color ink is quite a recent innovation in tattooing and he was right to say that actually a lot of traditional guys particularly in the u.s were uh, and you know and, and certainly in japan were using black and red and maybe yellow and maybe blue uh, and maybe green um but they're very very limited color palette that design, you know, is a um, is is uh, one of those images which tells a huge story about kind of stealth and power, and it's very sort of hyper masculine. Like lots and lots of examples in popular culture. Funnily enough, Tony Soprano from The Sopranos has this tattoo as well. Yeah, right. So um, it's it's one of it's just one of those designs that just just fucking slaps. And again, but it's hard to do well because. A, a weaker or more um, less careful tattoo is going to color that whole thing in black, and so it's going to look very flat. Um, or they're going to, or they're going to overcomplicate it by putting lots of fur detail in it. Like he, it had a little modern, a bit of modern twist, like in the in the face. The face was, you know, was a was a twenty first century panther face, but it was it was restrained. It was careful. And like all of that beautiful negative space along the back, which gives it the three dimensionality, is just going to look even even cooler when um, when it ages. So yeah, fucking badass. This is a tattoo, and it's 
it's quite rare in Ink Master that you would see a tattoo that you would like take a screenshot to of it and bring it to an artist and say, I want something like this because that is like this is what you want when you get a traditional Panther tattoo and it's just gorgeous. Well, I'm, I again, I, I wasn't looking close enough and I have to go back to the episode and watch, but like, I wonder if he did that with a wireless machine. Because, like, a, a, you know, in my experience at least, most artists doing that, particularly if they're trying to do it in a short amount of time, are doing it with big, huge needle groupings, like big, big needle groupings so you can cover that black quickly, solidly. Um, uh, you know, I've seen um, uh, Chad Coplinger, for example, the tower from New York, who very famously tattoos big quick uh he's done you know huge big panthers in just a few hours but using big big needle groupings um he this this guy tone didn't look like to me like he was rushing it it looked like you know he looked like he knew what he was doing um and he didn't yeah, like and this, to- is the, this is the thing with traditional you didn't you don't need to reinvent the wheel i thought that the whole thing and maybe we can talk about this in a second but the whole thing about um you know oh i've set them a trap by saying open 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 color palette um, but actually, you shouldn't use open color palette. I think like that's a bit of a false thing because certainly by the you know first real like resurgence of professional traditional in the 1920s and 30s, there were artists using colored ink. So fine, but like yeah, like I I just thought um, this was just restrained and 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 the guy knew what it knew what he was doing basically. Yeah, and. Like we're gonna move on in a second, but I just want to say before we move on to talking about hot or Katie and Pond's tattoos, whoever got that tattoo must is fucking hard as nails getting something that big, that black in six hours. Not quick. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So next, we're gonna move on to Katie and Pond. Katie, great rendition of a very classical design. It's flat. It's gonna sit in the skin well. It's gonna heal well. It's nice. It was a. A classical woman's head with two butterflies. Nice, restrained use of color palette. Solid. I love that. It was like, again, this is the kind of telling that I really like, so I'm biased towards it, but like, real classic. It, they had like, lots of really nice whip shading. So, <laughs> it, the design, you know, looked like something by Owen Jensen, for example, right? Um, like, who, who's, whose work, I, who's so influential um, on that style of contemporary American traditional stuff, like Owen Jensen, who was tattooing back in the early decades of the 20th century. Um, I, so whip shading, right? Uh, that kind of quite choppy shading um, is a deliberate technique, basically, that's called, you have, to, you have to open your needle groupings up a little bit, and as you shade it, it creates that kind of staccato, you know, it's not a smooth, gradiated shade. And um, uh, it makes it makes the tattoo look a bit more traditional right because it looks older it looks it's not these beautiful soft continuous shades really hilariously and i wrote an academic article about this a, a while ago but really hilariously even academic back in corner. the day well but even even back in the day right even back in the the period when when this when um these contemporary tattooers are trying to emulate there were tattooers going who are all these dickheads that can't shade properly <laughs> right so, so this kind of like skeuomorphic affectation, this 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 thing that you 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 sort of affect, you you kind of fake it to make it look old and shit because that's how you imagine old tattoos look like. Back in the thirties, forties, fifties, there were tattooers going, "Those who are these fucking hacks that can't shade properly." So I love that. I mean, I I I I wear I wear tattoos with with lovely whip shading on them, and I think it's a 
it's a beautiful touch but I, I i i it always amuses me you know this kind of idea that you want to make it look as authentic as possible but all you're doing is making it look like a bad tattoo from back in the day and there were plenty of <laughs> artists in the 30s 40s and 50s slagging off artists who couldn't shade properly yeah you know but yeah so like really really good tattoo and then we move on to pawn how oh, do we pawn. start talking about oh, this tattoo pawn. oh pawn. your favorite i know i was a I really was a big fan of him, and like he just he fucked it, like for the exact reasons that we said that Tony didn't fuck it. Like he massively overcomplicated it. He didn't stick with. I mean, he's right. I think he's right when he says like t- traditionals a mood, not a color palette or even a iconography set. Like you know, there are plenty of people getting lots of weird and wonderful things which we wouldn't immediately conjure up in our minds as traditional tattoos for a very long time, and I think. Sometimes that kind of narrow reliance on the heart, the panther, the eagle, you know, is is a little bit of a false interpretation of history. There's plenty of good, weird shit happening. But that, like, so we did this very nice, traditional, real classic, like, straight off of a, like, Cap Coleman sheet, basically, American eagle. And then the bottom half was it was this skull, anatomical heart. It was a heart. With a kind of wreath, and it was just a mess. Like it was just not traditional. Pounds of shit in a five pound bag, like that. That like yeah. and and like I like I in my notes said like it's too busy, and I just I did not like the color palette he used. I think it, it like you said overcomplicated it, and it just I don't know. It it just doesn't flow well. It doesn't like if you look at it, it's kind of like a mishmash. If you saw that tattoo and like. The thing I think with traditional tattoos are with American traditional tattoos is can you see it from 20 feet away and know what it is? And right. you wouldn't. Right. Yeah, that the 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 the, the skull heart one-eyed thing and then uh, even uh, even more egregious than that they didn't really mention was the the blue like turquoisey wreath he put underneath it. Like, yeah. 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 It was just it was he panicked basically. I think, and it and it it's a shame because he's obviously a great like he was right that it was technically superb, um, but it just you know if you if you imagine right one of the one of the kind of defining things of traditional tattooing is either it's done off flash so it's a very straightforward set of images or it's done freehand right so the 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 and by freehand it's literally like you're not drawing it out and then copying it onto the skin as they did some of the artists did today it's literally like you're just drawing it on the skin or even tattooing it straight fucking on without uh without uh, um any you know any any thought at all and so that kind of like n- that that design just doesn't fit in the in the technical historical vocabulary or technique of of the style like it just doesn't work yeah so out of those two katie matched and pawn did not match so pawn's up for elimination then next we have DJ and Gian Neotrad, both like great tattoos. I like. I have problems with DJ's tattoo. It's kind of like a woman with a bird, and it feels like two different tattoos put together. Like it's technically well done, yeah. but weirdly composed. I laughed in the um when they were introducing him, and again, not that I'd ever seen uh, him before or this show. The, the little kind of clip they played of a previous episode to like introduce him he said it's a three-eyed wolf like that's what art is <laughs> right and i was like art art is a three-eyed wolf 
That's that's what art is, Thomas. Um, Audrey, so that uh, just, Audrey that Lord, made me Audrey Lord would not be happy with this. <laughs> this made me giggle. Um, but yeah, I thought again, like, oh, clearly he's a great tattoo. Again, never having seen his work before, clearly he's a great tattoo. Uh, I I thought some of the again some of the weird like decorative frames just felt you know the little yellow frame that he put on it like just feels so outdated. Like it's it's so twenty 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 oh twenty oh three kind of thing. Um, but uh yeah it was a great it was it was it was a yeah a, a face and if you compare like the face and animal that he did compared to holly's one um you can see the the, the golf inability between those yeah. two yeah, yeah, yeah artists right yeah and then then you have like gian's leopard like this was an incredible tattoo like phenomenal so good Loved it. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm I'm definitely more on this trad side of things. Um, but there was so much to love in there. Like the use of color was lovely. The um, the composition was great. Like, uh, yeah, I just thought I thought um, Gian really. Like, I think I don't know what you think, but my and you well, you said it from the beginning. Like the standout artists in this competition. Um, are Bob and Gian, I think, by by quite a long way, actually. Oh, he's put that on. Yeah, he's put... Okay, he's put... So he just put that on his Instagram so you can look at it up close. Um, Yeah, I mean, again, uh, like, I'll send you the... Uh, well, you can find it. It's on his Instagram. Um, Like, that that, that weird... The, the, the little sort of framing device um, is very reminiscent of stuff that Echo and, and Lou were doing 20 years ago. But it's it's a lovely almost kind of like illustrative or, or, or even portrait-esque face with um yeah like with just 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 a lovely set of twists and i, I yeah i i think you can compare that to um to what holly did and really see the difference yeah so like obviously gian matches him he's safe from elimination and then we have steve and jason and listeners you're going to be shocked I have a lot of nice things to say about Jason. <laughs> so, like, Steve, Steve is kind of like, in terms of like Ink Master, the man for this sort of thing. He's like this, like, f- freehand, black and grey, evil demon head. Like, just the textures on it, the use of lighting, incredible. Like, so good. Like, so good. Yeah, and again, like not a style that I'm a huge fan of. Again, it didn't feel very cutting edge to me in terms of if you look at stuff that um uh you know that that Paul Booth and Bob Tyrrell and and all those obvious influences in there were doing, but like really nicely done. And actually, I thought um Jason's was better than Steve's. It was a more readable image. It was a clearer, more self-contained thing. It had it had better line work, I think. Um. You know, and uh, yeah, a big, big fan of that. Yeah, so Jason did this kind of like grotesque spider that like was really sinewy and you could like actually like, like it had like the texture on the skin of the spider as like Ryan Ashley pointed out that like you can like tell the like thickness of the skin on the spider by the texture he did and the fact he did this freehand is insane like and he said you know uh jason earlier on the episode was like oh doing skulls and shit fuck yeah and like he he blew it out of the park like jason i think if you give him a good design i think he could be up there with bob and gian but 
you know, this is a what is illustrative tattooing, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is just sort of classic horror, horror, black and gray stuff, and again, not a style that I have any of, a style which has been around um, and been fascinating to me as long as I've been interested in tattoos, and it's nice to see. You know, you can see where he's where both of their influences are, um, but they're but they're doing a they're doing a decent decent job there. Yeah. So bottom three, Holly Pawn and Angel. I think really this is like they deserve to be in the bottom. They I think they made good choices in terms of the judging. Yeah. No no controversy from me about who ended up in the in that bottom. Yeah. So the challenge for the bottom three tattoo tattoos is a freehand open challenge so do whatever you want how is that ad- about adaptability it's the opposite of adaptability i mean you have to do it freehand i you have to do it freehand, i was getting very professor and i was like you did not read the uh, meet the uh, remits of the assignments you know you yeah, did not you work within a uh, well this is more on the producers the this is more on the producers than the tattooers involved but <laughs> <laughs> well, see, may- maybe this is me as a producer that uh, I'm I'm just a bit sympathetic, but uh, it makes for good TV. So we go in and they're all kind of, they have six hours to do their tattoo. They have to figure out what they're going to do. So Pawn is doing a kind of like illustrative pug with like devil horns. It's a li- I, fi- I found this is a little bit Japanese influenced as well, yeah, just with did, the rope. Yeah, it, yeah it, it was sort of a Hanya mask sort of yeah like trad version of a or a food dog but done as a pug like it was i really loved it it was great yeah we we will get a uh, doug hardy's uh thoughts on this <laughs> afterwards and i'll uh, I'll, I'll insert it right now holly then did like a, a skull with a mullet and a it's, is it a snail or a slug i can't it was tell a, the difference yeah it was a snail uh yeah yeah um funnily enough jason actually being a nice guy with holly he's saying like oh you know it, you should cut it with this color and he like gives her some ink and everything is like it'll make it pop and angel does a tattoo based on a pun so it's a caterpillar so it's a caterpillar that's a cat yeah yeah that's fine i mean that's a that's a pretty standard tattoo joke i i i liked i mean basically i thought pon was great uh i actually I thought they were a bit harsh on Angel in terms of critiquing its shading and things, but I thought it was fine. I mean, it's not fine. I thought it was better. I thought it was good. I thought it was a nice tattoo. I thought Holly's, again, was a mess. Like, compositionally didn't make any sense. It, it looked like two different tattoos. It looked like two different tattoos put together. But if we're going to go one by one, on, like, color work, incredible. Like, really, really good. Punched in. Like, really, that'll heal really well. It will look good. Fun design as well, you know, points for creativity. The one thing that I agree with them is one of the horns was on the wrong side of the head. So one horn was on like the pug's forehead and the other one was kind of kind of behind its ear. And he tried to say, it's like, oh, it's because the ear is tucked behind the horn. It was like, no, it's not. No, it's yeah, not. I don't think that was. I mean, I don't know. Like, again, I mean, look, I'm holding my hand up here. Like, you know, my arm. I've got uh, like praying hands under my arm with um, bones that are not what act like. The severed praying hands, but that is not what the bones of a wrist look like, right? But it's like artistic license <laughs> for for a tattoo. Um, I think a little bit of artistic license is fine. I thought the design worked. I mean, I think that's nit. I mean, they've got a nitpick. It's a competition show, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't mind that at all. I think it was, you know, it's pl- perfectly plausible. 
yeah, but yeah, Holly's, like, fair enough. Holly's, like we said, looked like two different tattoos put together. Color was good. I liked they the were, color on the snail. The thing that I didn't mention about that is also the scale of it was fucking weird. Because the skull, presumably yeah. of a human or something human-sized, was the same size as this snail thing. So they, I couldn't work out what the scale was meant to be of that scene. Was it like a tiny yeah. snail? Like Was it like a little snail-sized human skull or was it was the snail meant to be as big as a mat like uh, that's that was the one thing that bothered me aside from the the color and the the technical stuff that they picked out just compositionally it didn't make any any sense Matt's getting really Matt's getting really a art historian art lecturer now you know we're we're doing a homework critique well you know so one of my favorite tattooers ever we talked about him on a special episode of this show Sutherland McDonald one one of the he did a back piece um based on a painting by uh, an artist called Archibald Thorburn. Uh, and, and the painting that he copied, Madonna copied from was a big eagle holding a rabbit or a hare in its claws. And McDonald, for his customer, whether he, it was his idea or the client's, we don't know, but he's changed that rabbit in the, in the original painting to a stag. So you're left with a fucking weird composition where either you've got a <laughs> massive eagle and a normal-sized stag or a tiny little stack and a normal size eagle. And it's just, it's, it doesn't work, right? That's by one of my favorite was it of, of all time. Um, and I think like that, that kind of thing is, is jarring and weird. Like uh, if we, a, a bit of uh, once again, a peek behind the curtain, uh, the show was starting to get a uh, press coverage in print media for national newspapers. And we had a discussion recently when they asked for, or you know, do we have pictures, you know, to put in the in the article? And <clears throat> Matt has lovely, you know, press pictures for his upcoming book, Paint People, that's coming out in October. And I just have my headshot, which is my uh, cover for all of my social media. And I was thinking about <clears throat> we need to get some photos together. You know, we we are a unit, we are a show. And I was like. <clears throat> What way are we going to use force perspective? Is Matt going to stand five feet in front of me? Is Am I going to crouch down, you know, so we can both get in the same frame? What are we going to do? How dare you? I'll stand <laughs> on a box. Five foot, five foot eight king. We support our short kings on this show. But then Angel did, Angel's design, like, I thought the design was super inventive. The real, like, soft features were nice. The face was really great. It was, I thought it was really cute. But I I do agree with the judges that the stomach let her down a little bit, that she should have either let it go completely blank or put more detail in it. And it look kind of looks like a tattoo that she needed like an extra hour or two on. Yeah, I think that was a fair point. Right. And I think, you know, that's been one of my ethical problems with the show as anyway, like finishing a no, not like rushing a tattoo. But like, hopefully, I don't know, maybe the customer will get I mean, I, it didn't it didn't feel that unfinished. I've seen. Fuck, I've had like tattoos that haven't been finished in the time we had booked. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the comes down to the judging, and this is the big twist of this episode. This is the turning point, and I have something to say afterwards. This is why I'm furious. This is what made me so angry. So, Matt, do you want to explain why you're so angry? Do you want to explain to the people what has caused okay. uh, your infuriation? So we've got these four... Um, you know, led returning legends, and then without giving us a result, without sending—I mean, let's be honest—Holly home. <laughs> um, they they say 
to the, the Dave Navarro, master of chaos, clown prince of fun or whatever his name's going by, um, comes on and says, hey, uh, do any of you guys want to stay? And like, it doesn't make any sense because like, on what grounds? Like, stay, are we judging their toes now against the other ones? I mean, get rid of get rid of the person you're getting rid of. Then ask them if they want to stay, maybe. But like at the the cliffhanger makes no fucking sense on its own terms. On its own terms, right? Because why is it a cliffhanger? We're judging between Holly, Angel, and Pawn. What is bringing these guys in to have to do? I don't understand. It makes no sense in the logic of the universe of the show. And then number two, obviously, it also makes no fucking sense practically because there's no way these guys came to film for like one day and they were like hey while you're here do you want to stay for the next eight weeks of the show like we know that they they know if they're staying or not because they've got jobs and lives and customers at their shops they've got a fucking families they've got to stay somewhere like wherever this is filmed which is not where they live like it's so transparently ridiculous in the like if you think about it for a microsecond and even if you ignore that and go okay we're going to go with the kind of magic of television for the magic of television it also makes no fucking sense it's not a cli- it's not a cliffhanger it isn't a cliff it's presented as this oh my god cliffhanger but it isn't a cliffhanger because whether or not they stay or go has no jeopardy on whether or not holly pon or angel go it's completely irrelevant different question like it makes no sense it's just it's ludicrous and annoying on every level like diegetically extra diegetically it's complete fucking bullshit, and it makes me really annoyed. Am I sorry? Am I right, Tom? Does it make any sense to you? Like the it, do, the, it, it doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't make any sense in the context of like as a viewer of the show. But this is me putting on my producer cap. So if for anyone who's watched this show before, you'll have noticed that there was significantly less amount of contestants this year than normally. So yeah. Oh, I don't don't get me wrong, man. I don't I don't mind bringing in like you know they've done I've they've done they did that in drag. Well, yeah, they did that in Drag Race UK. They've done it in other things that I've watched, like bringing in like other contestants or returning contestants halfway through a season. Like it's a bit of a cheap thing, but it, I don't mind that. That's not my problem. It's not bringing them in is the problem. It's 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 the way they brought them in at the end of the show with like, oh, this is a twist. It isn't a twist. It isn't a twist. It's not a twist because it hasn't... Whether or not any of those guys stay or go, which they're pretending to be surprised about, which we know logically they're obviously not surprised by it. But even if we set that aside for the magic of television, for the narrative arc of this episode, the before we tell you, or not even before we tell you, instead of telling you which one of these three people are going to go, we're going to ask one of these other people to stay. What the fuck does that? Those two things have to do with each other? Nothing. It, it, but see, <clears throat> it doesn't have anything to do. But looking at it from a producer's perspective, this was planned from the start because there was less contestants. Typically, Ink Master has 14, 13, 14 episodes per season. If you work out, if they eliminate one person per episode, and there's usually three people in the final, two to three people, you're only going to have a series of like eight episodes. So obviously. This is kind of a twist to bring in arguably some better artists than the ones we've been presented with. But I think it doesn't make sense in the fact that, like, you've seen the quality of the tattooing these returning masters have done. How in your mind do you think they're not going to make it, like, very close to the end above 
artists like Holly, people like Pawn and Angel. Like my my thing with Angel, I got beef with Angel. I think she is very good at what she does. She has is significantly talking less of a big game than previous seasons. But the thing is, is that when she has to step out of her wheelhouse, she falls short. And I think a lot of artists that have been repeatedly in the bottom, that is kind of their thing. They Once they have to step out of what they do, they don't perform as well. And we've seen from previous seasons that Anthony, DJ, Tony and Steve do well outside their wheelhouse. This is me putting my money. I'm putting my money on the table that Tony's going to win this season if he stays. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that's... I, I, I mean, yeah, and that, I think, in a way, also cheapens the first... If that's what happens, and I think you're right, like, that cheapens also the first four or five episodes because, like, we've been invested in the competition between these people and then all of a sudden people who are obviously quite a lot better than them um, uh, in many respects are being brought into the show. Like, I think... That's it's that's another problem on its own right, but like I just I'm just talking about just within this episode, the na- as a narrative device, it made no sense. Like on other shows that I've seen, where they've brought back people either from the same season who've been eliminated and brought them back, or from previous seasons, they've had a kind of like more coherent narrative explanation as to why they've done that. And there may have been, you know, in some cases, it may have been some behind the scenes thing where some of the sounder contestants need to leave and they need to replace them or something you know there may be kind of like extra you know behind the scenes reasons why these are happening but i don't have a problem with with it it, with a show doing that but just for this episode they're just about to tell us based on the basis of those three tattoos which one they're going to send home and like then rather than telling us that they they cut to something that's essentially not connected to it right so one what i thought they were going to do was like oh they're going to ask these guys to pick who they think should go home that would have been a narratively coherent twist and then they could have said oh and by the way do you guys want to stay on or before they got to pon um holly and angel in their final they could be like oh and we're putting you against these guys again and we're gonna then head to head you three against these or four against these four and like the winner stays on or whatever like they're if you want to bring these guys in, there are narratively coherent reasons to to do that in the logic of the story of the show. But like to stop the elimination and then go, hey, do you guys want to stay? Like it completely, it completely like pulled the rug out from under and the momentum of the story that we're meant to be focusing on, which is which one of these three goes home. And also, I don't care which if these guys are staying and whether they decide or not, because I know logically they know already. Because it can't be a surprise to them because they are human beings and have lives and, <laughs> you know, have decided. This, is, this isn't this is narrative dissonance and uh, Matt is, well, is very, yeah, very annoyed. It well, it, He's I, furious. I'm annoyed. I am furious because, as I said, I, I, I want to, you know, uh, as a viewer of anything, I, I don't want to have something happen that breaks the suspension, willing suspension of disbelief. Like I'm, I, as I said, I'd perfectly be perfectly willing to 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 consider the 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 idea that these guys are really making the decision there and then about whether or not to stay, or like you know, or like we like we saw the other week that one contestant really got sent home when actually we know that in hindsight she was sent home because of personal she's socially for personal reasons. I'm willing to suspend that because it's within the narrative, you know, what, what the technical term would be diegetic logic of the program, right? 
just as a viewer of this program, I got really pissed off because I was like, I want to know which one of these people you're sending home. Or if you're not sending any of them home, tell me that. It's not a cliff. It's, and then presenting it as a cliffhanger, it's not a cliffhanger because the cliffhanger you presented is not connected in any way to the thing you haven't told me. So I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed that they just haven't thought about it as a, as, on a storytelling level. You know, like it's, it's just the storytelling doesn't work. That's all. Um, aside from, you know, the, the, I think, I think you're, the point that you raised about um, the fairness of this as a competition is also a really important one. It's something, again, that has been raised in the RuPaul example as well, right? Where there's like meant to be, it's meant to be this competition and it's meant to be a prize at the end of it. And actually you're fucking with the rules all the way through. Like you can't do that in a real competition show. But like, I think as viewers of reality TV, we're willing to accept the, the, the you know, the, the, the kind of, the kind of the, the logic of the, of the competition within the reality of the show's constructed universe. But we still got to watch this as a TV show, and it was it wasn't a shocking twist. It was just an annoying non sequitur, right? But they but they obviously wanted it to but they wanted it to be a shocking twist, and it it wasn't a shocking twist. Like but like just as we're finishing on this point, I was so hungover watching this on Thursday. I was in bed with my laptop, and like through bleary eyed, I as soon as this came up, I was like. Oh, fuck this. So, Matt, who are... So, we're going to do our predictions. Matt, what, what's your predictions for who's going home next? Well, if, if, if we have to do of those three, I think it's pretty clear that Holly's going home. I don't know, because I don't know... I don't understand what's happening, right? Like, what's happening? What's happening? Why is this I, a cliffhanger? I, I, I think all four of them are going to come back because it's 250 grand. They're not going to eliminate anyone. They're going to eliminate someone next week. I think it's Holly. So you think so you think those three you think those three are gonna stay on for another episode? Yeah, I think like all four of them were gonna stay on and then there's gonna be an elimination next week. I think it'll be Holly or I think Angel might go home if she gets like a bad theme. I'm I'm just really excited that Tony's back because there's no trad artist. This this must have been the twist they had in the bag because we mentioned before that there's no trad art like apart from like yeah. Katie who does and look, good and, trad and, and it's, ov- it's obvious it's obvious that and this is why I asked you about these these guys as kind of characters within the reality show universe but like it's obvious that they wouldn't ask you to come back this episode with this twist in mind if they hadn't already asked you if you were free <laughs> for the rest of the series so obviously you're right obviously at least three of them are going to stay right like I'm sure three, if not four of them, are going to stay. Um, I'm really annoyed. I said, I'm really annoyed that that they've sort of undercut. I mean, again, like if they're just not going to get rid of anybody, not even on the basis of it's a close draw, but on some arbitrary nonsense, it's like, well, I don't care anymore. Like, I don't give a fuck. Um, but I think it's really obvious that uh, Holly and Angel, in that order, are the weakest artists left in the competition. I think. Jason's also in trouble. I think Pon, depending on what the challenges are. I mean, you know, again, like if I was, maybe this is again something because I haven't watched the previous seasons, but like if I was designing this program and I was doing something on adaptability, I'd go, hey, uh, everyone, this is black and gray week. Do a black and gray toe, right? And like, it might be unfair because some of better than that than others. But again, we see that in other reality competitions where people get things that they've done before and they do well at it. 
bake off with, with biscuit week or cake week or bread week or or pottery throw down with you know like hand building versus versus um uh wheel stuff like I think like if you're really really wanting to test skills in the way that the program says it's doing, you'd it you'd structure the program in a different way, and you know hey do a traditional tattoo this week, hey do a biomech tattoo this week, hey do a freaking sleeve like I want to see people again really difficult skill compose a good sleeve a back piece right like that's what I want to see and. Again, I realize this is this is a me thing, not a not an ink master thing. They can make the thing they want to do. They're not making it to please me as an audience. But like, I, I'm just what annoys me about this is that the the things it says it's doing and the things it's actually doing are not the same thing. And that's if it was if it was if those two things were more closely aligned, I'd be more willing to um, forgive it the things about it that I don't like. So I think I think yeah, three at least three. Um, of the four people that are in are going to stay. I think that um, uh, I think Steve, from what I've seen, may be the weakest of those four. Um, I don't know. Like, I think that uh, Katie, Jason, and Holly and Angel and Pon, if they stay, are almost certainly not going to win this program yeah. now. Yeah. So as the uh, as this episode is bursting at the seams what do you, of sorry, what do you think is going to happen because i'm i'm ranting <laughs> i think holly's going to go holly or angel's going to go home next i think pawn in a, in a competition so having seen this show before so you think they're going to come so next week we're going to obviously cold open back to where we were and they're going to say there's another challenge now or something fight for your life or so production magic i think what's going to happen is they're going to give them an option to stay or not. Whoever stays, stays. Whoever doesn't, doesn't. Everyone is safe from the previous group. They're going to continue. And I think that's when they're going to introduce like actual tattoo challenges. Because now you have a broader stroke of artists. It's much more stakes because you're competing against someone who has already proven that they can win this competition. And then... I think it's going to proceed in the way because like I've seen online people complaining that like this season kind of feels weird and different from the other seasons. I think it's going to proceed in the same way that it has done previously. I think, yeah, I think Holly or Angel is going to go home next. I think the people who are going to end up in the final, if we include all four of the returning masters, it's going to be Tony, Anthony, Gian, Bob. I think Katie is a dark horse. I think she will go far, but that's what I think. Don't you think? Okay, so I, I'm just trying to think now, just again on a practical level, like how they, how next week's episode goes. So obviously they're gonna, they're gonna, we're gonna be back where we started, right? And I don't see how you get from where they are, where they ended this episode, to a new challenge set. So I wonder if, like, here's maybe what I think might happen, or if I was producing this show or writing this show, what I do. To try and make this make any fucking sense. I'd be like, okay, who wants to stay, right? Of those four. And those four say, yeah, I wouldn't. And then they say, okay, if you want to stay, you guys have got to do a tattoo now. And we'll compare that to one of the three that's already here and we'll get rid of the worst one of those people. Maybe that maybe that would make sense. I mean, it, 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 not quite, but I feel like narratively, I think that would be a way to get from where we are to where, where I think you're right, we're going to get to. I think if any of those guys want to stay, 
and I think as, at least three of them, well, either against each other or they compete against the three that are already in the bottom. And then the decision is between the worst of that first three and the worst of ho- however many of those four choose to stay. Uh, I feel that would probably be... Because you can't... They can't just... They, they're going to have to start the episode with a, with, a, with a continuity. They can't just start with a fresh new day because of the way they cut it. So I feel like to, to, to make this make any kind of narrative sense, they're going to have to have a, whoever of those four choose to stay in some kind of competition, either based on the tattoos they've already done, which wouldn't really be fair, or on some new tattoos against the three that are in the bottom this week. Do you think? Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense. So for anyone who has listened to this episode, which has been twice as long as the actual episode of Ink Master, uh, thank you very much That's for it. listening. Oh, fucking hell. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we've, we've been ranting this episode. It, it, we're, we're getting deep in the weeds, but thank you very much for listening. We've been beneath the skin. If you really like this show and you want to hear more, you want to hear some like really deep history. Recently, we did a fantastic episode with Aaron Dieter Wolf about tattoo archaeology. Uh, we have more great bonus content coming up. And if you want to hear our mainline Wednesday episodes a day early, subscribe to the Patreon and it really supports the show. If you want to find us online. Oh, also, if you really like the show, share with a friend or leave a review. If you can't support the show on Patreon, it helps us so, so much. Um, if you want to find me online, you can find me at Gala.Gynes. That's G-U-Y-N-E-Y-S. You can find the show at Beneath Skin Pod on Twitter. And Matt, where can everybody find you? Uh, at Matt Lodder on uh, Twitter, on Instagram. And yeah, like, as I always say, smoke signal, semaphore, holler, and you'll find me. Carrier pigeons. So from me, Tom, and from Matt's fantastic hairline, thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs>